As we turn to Scripture, let's pray together. Oh God, as your word is read and proclaimed this day, open our minds, stir our hearts, shift our imaginations that we might walk in your ways. In the spirit of Christ, we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 20. Let's listen together for what the spirit is saying to us. This is Jesus speaking. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is the word of the Lord. I'm embarrassed to say this as a Christian minister, but the first essential spiritual truth my daughters learned from me back when they were toddling their way through the world, the first spiritual truth that I taught them came not from Christianity, but from Buddhism. Now, some of you may know in Buddhism you have the four noble truths, which is the essential distillation of Buddhist wisdom. So as all good parents do, as early as I could, I taught my daughters the first noble truth. Anyone know what it is? Life is suffering. Now, that may seem grim, but it's really just a religious nerdy way of saying the same lesson we all learned as kids and we all keep trying to learn over and over again. Life is not fair. It's amazing that after all this time, all this accumulated human wisdom, that's still a great and terrible discovery for us. Even though we know in our bones it's true, we're still shocked and morally offended by it. Life's not fair, and that's just the way it is. Life is suffering. We get stuck in relationships where we give and give and give and get nothing in return. We work jobs where unqualified people who slack around all day get paid the same as well-qualified hard workers like us. 
We know the right lane is closed up ahead, and so we dutifully wait in the left lane, and then some guy speeds past us right up to the front of the line and noses his way in. Life is not fair. Okay, life's not fair, but surely God is. Surely God can be relied upon to keep track of all the times we got burned, all the people who nosed their way into the front of the line, and and God can sort everything out in the end. But no, with apologies to the Internet, no, says Jesus, that's not how God works. Life's not fair, and God is not fair either. Now, our story for today is a particularly grating example of that. It's the epitome of unfairness. It's right up there with the story of the prodigal son, the little twerp who wandered off and blows through his father's inheritance and while his older brother stays home and does all the work. And then when the prodigal son comes home, the father embraces him and throws a big party while the older brother stands outside feeling cheated. Today's story is just like that. One of those stories that's supposed to be good news, but sounds for all the world like a great big ripoff. And I guess how you hear this story depends on where you stand. So imagine for a minute you're standing with the workers hired first. You always got there first ready to break your back, to support your family. As soon as the man drove up looking for people to work in his vineyard, you were the first in line. He promised you a full day's pay for a full day's work, so off you went. It was a long day. The sun was beating down on you. The hours seemed to drag on. At last, it's quitting time. Time to get paid for your hard work. And the boss lines up the workers and puts you at the back of the line. Now that doesn't seem right. The first ones hired should be the first ones paid. And then you see him hand a wad of cash to the workers who were hired last, who had only been there an hour or so. You can't believe it. He's giving them a full day's pay. They start laughing and dancing and singing with joy. No, you're starting to feel pretty good too. Obviously, this boss is a generous man. And as the boss makes his way down the line, your excitement turns to surprise and then shock and then anger. He's paying everyone the same. A day's pay, no more, no less. And when he gets to you and hands you the same wad of cash he handed to everyone else, you're tempted to throw it right back in his face. You've worked all day long harder than anyone else here, and yet he's paying you the same as those people who only worked an hour. You know the boss is paying you what you agreed to, but that's not the point. The point is, it's not fair. You feel cheated. Now switch places. Imagine you're standing with the workers hired last. You were hired right at the end of the day, so you barely worked an hour before quitting time. Who knows why you didn't show up until the end of the day? Maybe you were just lazy, or maybe you were tired or hungover or sick, or you were, so you were late getting started, or maybe you were just a little older and a little weaker and a little slower than the other workers, and so you couldn't push your way to the front of the line. Who knows why you weren't hired earlier, but at least you'd get paid for an hour's work. So the boss lines up all the workers and puts you 
at the front of the line. And then he hands you a wad of cash, a full day's pay for an hour's work. You are stunned, amazed. You start laughing and dancing and singing with joy. You are amazed and astounded by the boss's generosity, and your gratitude is as deep as the ocean. So, truth-telling time. Where did you find it easier to stand? With the workers hired late in the day who reacted with joy when they were given more than they deserved? Or with the workers hired first who worked the longest and the hardest, who felt cheated because even though they were given what they promised, what they were promised, they weren't given what they felt they deserved? Where did you find it easier to stand? Jesus tells us this story to give us a glimpse of the kingdom of God. And we may not always like what we see. Just as the boss in the story gives a daily wage to all the workers, whether they thought they deserved more or thought they deserved less, so God gives daily grace to all God's creatures, whether they think they deserve more or less. In the story, the boss doesn't pay on the basis of merit. He pays on the basis of need. He's not trying to be fair. He's trying to be generous. The same is true with God, Jesus says. So for the next six weeks, we'll be doing a sermon series called Holy Shifts. And yes, for the record, I hear it. I know it's easy to misread or mishear that title. But I figured in a place that has small groups called nitwits and happy hookers and the ladies of the evening and morning madams and the swingers class, I can, call a, I can call a sermon holy shifts. And so I did. Our lives, I do have to be careful here, our lives are full of shifts. <laughs> our lives are full of shifts. Changes in jobs, in relationships, in health, changes in how we think, changes in what matters to us, what we're committed to. It's not a question of if you will experience a shift in your life this year. The question is, will it be a holy shift? Will it be a shift in the direction of life, in the direction of love, in the direction of God? Today, we're talking about the holy shift from fairness to generosity. We think we want the former, but what we need is the latter. You know, most people love the song Amazing Grace and the reality it points to God's sweet grace, which saves us when we're down and finds us when we're lost. But as we see in this story, there's more to grace than sweetness. John Wesley said, there are few matters more repugnant to reasonable people than the grace of God. Grace is sweet when we receive it, but it can taste bitter when others receive it, especially people we don't think deserve it. It was grace the boss gave to those workers hired last, paying them for a full day's work, Oh, it was sweet to them, but it was bitter to those who had worked all day long. When it comes to grace, where you stand makes all the difference. And time and again, the Bible seems to be saying to us, 
Stand with the workers hired last. Because when it comes to God, we are all latecomers. Stand with the outsiders and the nobodies. Stand with those who are left behind. Drop any notion of what we deserve, what we're owed, what's fair. That won't get you anywhere with God. As Martin Luther said, before God, we are all beggars. So stand with the beggars, empty-handed before God. Stand with the little children who receive life as a surprise, a blessing, a gift, not as something they can earn or control. We think we want fairness, but what we need is God's generosity overflowing. Fairness may make us feel satisfied, but generosity makes us feel joy. Joy is the disposition that comes from our readiness to always be surprised. Learning to live joyfully is learning to see the simple and most, most common aspects of our existence, such as friends, our partners, our children, a new day, this beautiful creation, to see them as sheer gifts to which we have no right, but which we are nonetheless given. So it goes with God. Instead of getting what we deserve, we get joy. Instead of grumbling about fairness, we can be surprised by generosity. If we can let go of what we think we deserve, what we're owed, what's fair, we can share in the joy of the workers hired last who received God's grace with surprise and gratitude with laughter and dancing and joy. We're called to trust God's generosity and work in the vineyard not out of fear or fairness, but out of love and a readiness to be surprised by joy. That's our calling. You know, just yesterday I was leaving church and I was walking to my car and a perfectly ordinary thing happened. It started to rain. And I just stood there watching the rain fall, touching everything in sight, the grass and the trees and the cars and the pavement and the flowers which neither toil nor spin but are clothed in splendor by God. I watched the rain fall on everyone, the first and the last and the just and the unjust and the greatest and the least and, and everyone in between. Nobody earned it. Nobody deserved it. It just fell, grace like rain, baptizing everyone and everything in sight. As I stood there, drenched by God's undeserved, amazing grace, I felt joy. May you feel it too. Thanks be to God. Amen.